It's been a really weird week, to say the least. On Sunday, Kobe Bryant uh, was killed in a helicopter crash along with his 13-year-old daughter, uh, Gianna. And I was uh, at a roller or an ice skating party at the time. <laughs> and... My dad actually texted me and he was like, Kobe did in a helicopter crash. I was like, what? Like, what? I might have said this on the pod. <sighs> um, but yeah, it's been a weird week. Lots of emotions I didn't expect from this. I'm weird with celebrity deaths anyway. Some hit me harder than others. I always kind of feel bad for certain, more than so for others, you know. And that's like life too. But... Marcus hit me and he's like, hey, you want to talk about Kobe? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, I definitely want to talk about Kobe. I didn't want to. I knew it was going to be hard. I held it together. There's a part at the end where it gets a little touch and go. But I held it together. I reached out to my former co-host of Hip Hop Manifesto and still my best friend, Matthew Spencer. And I asked him if he wanted to record something for Kobe, about Kobe. Because ever since... I knew who Kobe Bryant was. I feel like a lot of that time I was watching him rise in the NBA and kind of grow in the NBA was alongside Matt from the time he got drafted to the Lakers and, uh, you know, uh, the slam dunk contest in 97 and then growing out the fro. And, you know, I think we were both heavily invested in Kobe in those early years. And I, I reached out and asked him to do something for me. So he, he did about 16 minutes about his thoughts on Kobe. So that's what we're going to start this episode out with. And then we will go to me and Marcus's conversation that we had. Matt did a good job, a uh, great job, not just a good job. A lot of uh, the Kobe content that's out there I haven't been able to look at. It's hard enough scrolling Twitter. I'm fine watching, looking at basketball pictures or videos, but when I see videos of him and Gigi or pictures, it tears me apart, man, especially as a father of a daughter myself. I, I can't imagine what they're going through. And I always tell y'all, man, give people their roses while they're here because you never know when it's your time to go. And this is a prime example of that that I've been saying on all these episodes for all these years. I want to take some take the time to read the names of the victims besides Kobe and Gigi because obviously they're getting most of the spotlight, but I I wouldn't feel right if I didn't say their names. So Kobe Bryant, uh, Gianna, Gigi Bryant, Gianna's basketball teammate, Alyssa Altabelli, Alyssa's father, John Altabelli, the baseball coach at Orange Coast College, Alyssa's mother, Carrie Altabelli, Christina Mauser, basketball coach at a nearby Harbor Day School where Gigi Bryan attended. Peyton Chester, a middle school student. Sarah Chester, Peyton's mother. And Ara Zabayan, the pilot, who Kawhi just came out today and said that he had flown several times with uh, Ara. And he said that he was a really good dude. And if I butchered uh, his his name, this I haven't heard it pronounced at all. Um, so I apologize, apologize to him. My real thoughts and prayers, like not the fake kind, are going out to Vanessa and the girls and 
to uh, the Chester family and the Zabayan family and the Mauser family and the Altabelli family. It sucks that their deaths are kind of being treated treated without are kind of being treated as if they don't matter because one of the biggest stars in not just in the basketball world in the world and his 13 year old daughter were on this helicopter with him uh, but that that's why I wanted to make sure I mentioned them because we didn't mention them on the pie we just talked about Kobe and some Gigi and Kobe man he did a lot of great things um, a lot of amazing things while he was alive and he did a lot of despicable things that I didn't agree with as well while he was alive so I I never thought that I would be sitting here eulogizing him on this podcast hell I just tried to end the damn thing two episodes ago and here and all of a sudden Kobe died like you, you never know man Kobe was real at all times and sometimes it got him way over his head and other times it was to be admired his fierceness was to be admired and respected in my opinion but I'm not going to keep y'all much longer hopefully Raul didn't mess up the recording again like he just did but this is uh, me and Marcus's thoughts on Kobe Bryant Rest in peace to all those that were lost in that helicopter crash. Shout out to Matt for doing his monologue. Appreciate y'all listening. And hopefully, um, maybe in some way this helps you cope with with uh, what's going on right now. Because a lot of people are being affected by Kobe's death in ways they didn't expect. So if I'm able to help just a little bit then uh, that's, again, another reason why I continue the podcast. Thanks. Kobe's death because there was just so much to Kobe so as an NBA player obviously he's one of the greatest of all time and that phrase gets thrown around a lot and people revisit who they call greatest of all time every single time someone else good or promising comes along but I believe that there's a reason why so many people are already saying there may likely never be another Kobe Bryant. So the thing about Kobe, uh, as many people know, is his work ethic. And for the past, uh, well, pretty much his whole career, uh, I've really enjoyed reading stories about Kobe and how crazy dedicated 
and competitive the man is uh, in basketball. So him getting up at four o'clock in the morning and playing or you know practicing uh, in the dark uh, or with no basketball at all and you know or uh, not leaving the gym until he makes 800 shots or going one-on-one against all of his teammates uh, until 100 points playing full court or uh, you, you know like his uh, his crazy game day training uh, all of his uh, acupuncture all of the work that he does like there's just a million different stories that uh, people have relayed about thinking that they were the first to the gym and seeing that Kobe has already been there for many hours and is drenched in sweat and he'll probably be there for the rest of the day as well or him still doing that when he's injured uh, it's really incredible because he had such intensity to win uh, and I don't know that many people would ever fully dedicate themselves to being the best at what they do as much as Kobe. And it doesn't have to be basketball. It could really be absolutely anything. And I think that that is one of the things that actually uh, makes Kobe bigger than basketball. Because I believe that if it wasn't basketball, Kobe would have been doing that with something else. And I kind of think, well, I don't kind of think, I I believe that that is what we saw like with his documentary, like the Deer Basketball that got the Academy Award. And, you know, he was getting into like children's books and I mean, really the man could have done whatever he wanted to. I mean, thankfully, you know, basketball provided him the means to be able to do whatever he wanted. But even if it wasn't there, I think he would have been like a legendary CEO or a brilliant lawyer or a brilliant neurosurgeon. And he'd be one of those people who is just so great because they dedicate as much of their life as humanly possible to being great. And uh, that's, that's not just legendary. That's just kind of unbelievable and kind of un unobtainable for most people. There's so much in life going on that who, who can ever truly devote themselves to one thing or who has the, like the heart and intense intensity and willing to sacrifice to, to truly become great. Um, there are also a lot of fun things that kind of just come with Kobe's character. Um, that, I think are kind of byproducts of his intensity and competitiveness, like him learning Slovenian so that he can trash talk Doncic. Those sorts of stories, I love those. And there's a reason why I share those stories every single time I find them, because like what other player would possibly do that? Like I I can't think of a single player that would really do that. Um, Even the players that are like really known for trash talking like that, that takes dedication. Like, who's going to learn Slovenian? It's not like there's a whole bunch of other Slovenian like basketball players in which 
you know, he's going to communicate. And it's not like the man's ever going to go play professional ball in Slovenia. So that's, that's kind of crazy. I, I love those stories. There's this other story. I can't remember who, who told it. But I remember a basketball player had heard, I think it was like maybe Blake Griffin or somebody like that, had heard that Kobe had biked 40 miles in the desert at night. And he really wanted to ask Kobe if he had done it, but he was like too nervous to. And the funny thing is, like, I never found out if that story is true. But to me, that story... Uh, might as well be true because honestly who in the world would actually do that Kobe Bryant would do that and if he hasn't I'm sure it's just because he hadn't gotten around to doing it because that man would have totally done something like that it's it's kind of crazy but very much Kobe so maybe Kobe's crazy but he was crazy about basketball and crazy at being great so that's incredible but the other thing that I kind of feel bad about bringing up, but I feel like I have to, is it's also strange to me how we process celebrity deaths now. So I hope this isn't a poor comparison, but in my eyes, the way people are responding to Kobe's death is sort of like how people responded to Michael Jackson's death. People that like criticized Michael Jackson, uh, his, you know, his entire career suddenly forgot and became huge MJ fans. Or, you know, they just acted like they'd never said all of that and like started attesting to Michael Jackson's greatness. And like, you can't ignore that there was the sexual assault that happened with Kobe in, what, 2003? Some people will only uh, have an opinion on Kobe now that he's dead. And will say that the man does not deserve a legacy because he did that. And that's tough. Because... Sexual assault is a horrible thing. Horrible. And like when you go to remember someone's legacy, do you remember the things that they were great at? Do you remember the things that they were terrible at? Do you remember both? And how how can we make heroes out of people that have done terrible things? And although we're all human... There are ugly truths to everybody. And I've also heard stories about Kobe where he was saying, you know, homophobic slurs to refs um, and saying all sorts of inappropriate things. And it's hard to separate the two because you want to glorify the best qualities of the man. You don't want to turn a blind eye to the horrible things that he's done. But in myth-making, it's not always, uh, there's not always room for all the in-between things. 
or there's not always balance where you want to show the human side of people. So you show the godlike nature of them. And so it's tough with Kobe because amongst basketball players, the man was a god. But he also did very ungodly, terrible things. And it's, it's really, it's, it's tough. But we also can't ignore that someone can turn their life around, right? Someone can do something horrible and unthinkable and turn their life around and never do that again and actually become a champion against the horrible things that they did. Now, I'm not saying that Kobe turned his life around so much to become a hero to sexual assault victims. But I, I hope, because I never knew Kobe, and I don't know what will come out about Kobe after his death. And I honestly can't even remember much about the sexual assault hearing, because I was much younger then. But I would hope that he did. And if he did turn his life around... If you know justice was served, I don't know if it was. If he made amends for what he did, I think it's okay to applaud the greatness that happened in the man's life. Even though there will always be the asterisk to that that says, here's everything horrible that's happened. It's a shame that so many people today also have to make a point to say how horrible someone must be because they did something terrible. Or the people that feel like they need to rail against things that are popular to make them feel better or, I don't know, maybe appear cooler. Like just because so many people right now are praising Kobe, there will be the you know equal and opposite reaction where a lot of people will respond negatively just because other people are responding positively. It's also a shame, though, how how so many people waited to praise him until after his death. And I, I see that happening a lot. Like, it happened with Nipsey Hussle, where the man was probably more famous in death than he was in life. And that's sad, because he's, he's a really good rapper. Nipsey Hussle, of course, not not Kobe, even though Kobe was a rapper. But that won't really contribute to his legacy. Uh, but it's hard. And I don't know that our society has yet figured out how to make our own heroes or how to praise them or how to understand them when we now know so much more about people. Like where our... Society is a lot more open in what they do and what they say and are more accessible to fans and there's a lot more media coverage and we learn all of the flaws and all of the strengths of people and there's more exposure and amplification to everything that they do. I don't think our society yet knows how to process how we handle those people 
that end up becoming our heroes. And unfortunately, I think with Kobe, we're learning that. But there will never be another Kobe. And people for a very long time are going to look at Kobe like they look at MJ. And I, I really think that he was... I mean, while you know, they, they played together, and, and Michael Jordan has said, if anyone has earned uh, like their greatness or a comparison to him and has really worked for it, it's Kobe. <laughs> Actually, that, that reminds me of a, a quote. I, I read at one point that an NBA scout was talking about the difference between Allen Iverson and Kobe Bryant. And he said, you know, Allen loves to play when the lights are on. And it said something like, Kobe likes to do this shit before the lights are even on or something like that. <laughs> but, you know, he, he will be the greatest forever. Like, there's a reason why whenever you're, like, shooting a three, you know, if you're, like, say, between 15 and 35 years old, you're shooting a three playing basketball with, like, your friends, and you're like, Kobe... Like what other what other player are people really doing that with? Like the man is unbelievable, unbelievably good, unbelievably great, and it's it's going to be such a loss, even though he doesn't play anymore. Uh, and it's such a loss, like for his family. Like I had been, uh, I'd read some uh, articles about his daughter, uh, Gigi. Uh, and I really thought that she was going to be a WNBA or hell, even an NBA player when she was older, because she seemed like a younger version of Kobe. And it's a shame that she passed. It's a shame for everyone that was on board that helicopter. It's such a horrible loss to his family. You know, his, his surviving wife and daughters, his newborn, it's just that's a you know a hole that can't be replaced, and there's a hole in basketball because that man was going to contribute to basketball long afterwards. It was going to be hard for him to leave the sport alone. Um, I thought I had read that he had trouble even watching like his daughter's basketball games because he's just so competitive, and uh, I thought I've also read that like he helped like coach the team into like. Like basically becoming like a world championship, like small girls team, because of course it's Kobe. Like the man has such a desire to win. Uh, he's going to truly be missed. I don't know any other basketball player that can essentially put on a camp all about his mentality towards basketball and have so many NBA players show up just to listen to like that sort of masterclass. Right. Like, it'll be a loss. I mean, it was a loss when he left the game. It'll still be a loss long afterwards. And I don't know that many people. Actually, I don't know. There might be a few that can leave basketball and make as big of an impact on it after they left as they did in it. And then Kobe. I don't know any other way better of saying all of it than that. My name is Kobe. Kobe. This is my shoe. 
some. I got me some. So get you some too. Two got old rings. Ring. And that's for show. Show. Rockin' these shoes. Shoes. I get for mo. Mo. So low and quick. Quick. And that's no lie. Love. This shoe so hot. Hot. That is on fire. Fire. Yeah, it's on fire. Fire. It's burning hot. Uh oh. It is hot. I see what you mean. Call, call security, man. Yeah, they flaming. The only Kobe joke I've laughed at was fucking uh, Eric today saying that uh, Mamba out, like his dad was out faster than than you could say Mamba out. Then he's like, never mind. (laughs) I did did laugh a little bit about that. (laughs) That's the only thing that broke me. I was like, that's fucking funny. Nah, but I... I remember fucking um, people. Well, people were posting. Um, they're retweeting the 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 dude from Temecula. It's like, yeah. you know, I complete. I I completely forgot that was over Kobe. I completely forgot that was over Kobe. Like that shit. You know, Twitter's Twitter does the absolute most, but but man, that shit was so funny. But um. I don't know, man. Like, it's funny. I I miss Kobe, but you know, I'm definitely on the the camp of LeBron still better. <laughs> but oh, you're you're but not Kobe, wrong. But Kobe, but that's the thing. Kobe would want us to live in our truth. So, <laughs> I mean, well. he's still the. He's still the third best Laker ever. Actually, he's now the fourth best Laker ever. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, Ooh. welcome to Hyphen Nation. We got to laugh, man. We got to laugh. We, we got to laugh, man. We got to laugh to keep from crying. Marcus is here. Uh, I'm your host, Kellen Conley. And uh, sad day yesterday took me everybody by surprise. Um, but uh, me and Marcus wanted to come on. And uh, I know that some places like rushed to uh, get to a podcast and be like, yo, we got to talk, we'll talk about Kobe immediately. And like Simmons had one up where him and Chris Ryan talked for half an hour. And that one was cool. But I mean, it's, that's, that's the ringer, you know, but I know there was probably a lot of people out there who was like, we can capitalize off this shit. And like, as, as, as soon as it happened, I, I felt horrible. And then when the, it started trickling out that, that GG, uh, was on the helicopter too. I, I was just like, yo, I want none of y'all getting on here and being like, like Kobe pod, not like we have a sports pod or anything, but still I was like, I don't, I don't want it to come from a place where it's being used for plays. You know, it's like, if, if we're going to do it, like let, let's just wait a little bit, let it marinate. And like, we're not, we're journalists, but we're not real journalists. You know, we don't have deadlines. We don't have to be on TV. We don't have to, uh, have a video up or anything like that. Um, we can be timely without being on top of shit. Like that's one of the things that TMZ is getting lambasted about right now is because they reported that shit before they could even notify Kobe's family and everything. So I didn't want to be bloodthirsty about it. Uh, but me and Marcus are here tonight and we're going to just spend some time talking about Kobe, man. Uh, I, I think it's only right. That uh, that we do this, and uh, Marcus, how, how have you been, man? H- happy uh, happy twenty twenty again. It's it's been a minute. I know we've talked since the new year, but it's been a few weeks. So what what is good, man? 
Not 2020. <laughs> I can tell you that goddamn much. <laughs> Dog, 2020 has... It, it, we're not even out of January yet, and 2020 is already pushing the limits. Like, we got this wild-ass president. We got people that we love passing away left and right, man. Like, ooh, ooh, buddy. We got Antonio. Yeah. We got Antonio Brown doing Antonio Brown shit. Like you can't say that name on the podcast. Now I gotta edit it out. Thanks a lot, Marcus. Boy, I mean, hey man, look, look. We 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 bring people the truth, and the truth is, AB is a ch- doing <laughs> wild shit. Yeah, he's doing the he's doing the most. For the absolute least, <laughs> like he's doing the absolute <laughs> most for no reason. So, but yeah, man, uh, yeah, I think even you know, yesterday we got the news roughly, you know, about uh, just, I don't know, like 30 ish hours ago of yeah, Kobe's and his daughter's untimely passing, right? Um, news streams are trying to trickle out, you know, the reasons for the helicopter and whatever, whatever. But from my perspective, like the re the cause that doesn't necessarily matter. It only matters, you know, the, the subsequent, you know, remorse and grief that we're all feeling because I mean, if, if you hit the lottery ticket, no, if you hit the lottery, no one cares. We got the ticket. Like you just hit the lottery. So, right. But in this case, you know, we have, you know, nine people perishing in the accident, um, you know, we'll let the officials and the investigators, you know, do that and whatever. But, you know, it's better to have a a remembrance and appreciation for the people um, that are no longer with us. So, so yeah, yeah, this is a space for doing that. And so, like I said, like, um, I, it's, it's been super, super fresh in all of our minds. Like I've actually been off Twitter the entire day. Like I, I've like, I haven't really checked the TL very much up until like 10 minutes ago because, you know, it's, you know, it it's is sad. Yeah. It's, it's sad. It's, it's triggering, you know, like every, yeah. every post is, you know, about them essentially. I mean, my, my TL is legit just Kobe and impeachment. So, and these, these are two things that are, yeah. are worrisome for different reasons, but, um, but no, like it, I think people that need to disconnect, definitely disconnect, um, you know, the world's going to keep turning, but, you know, there's going to be something that sticks with us for a very long time. Um, you know, NBA players, former players, current players, you know, getting interviewed about the passing. Um, everyone's, you know, devastated um, from yeah. Allen I- Iverson to um, Tyson Chandler, um, uh, Bradley Bill, you know, all these and LeBron James, LeBron James, you know, there was footage of him. And one, why are we secretly videotaping LeBron James? But LeBron James, you know, he was caught getting off the plane, you know, visibly struck in, uh, by, you know, the news. And, you know, this, it's, you know, life is very short. Like, you know, he just having a conversation with Kobe, you know, and then, you know, breaking his record, but still being appreciative. 
because, you know, LeBron is definitely a historian. Well, I don't want to say historian, but he's definitely a student of basketball. And mm-hmm. he definitely understands the importance of being a Laker and what uh, Kobe means to L.A. Even if he's only been there for a season and a half, like, he definitely knows the importance of what Kobe meant to that city. Um, and, you know, him being a Laker and him passing Kobe, like, he... Like, LeBron definitely gets, you know, what that all meant. And so if it was a situation where Kobe was with us, like, he would still be, you know, honoring a champion Kobe. But now it's just kind of this sort of dark twist of fate that happened. And so everyone's visibly, visibly, you know, upset about this. Um, I had a buddy of mine who's at my job, and he's from L.A., and he moved to San Antonio a couple months ago. And the funny thing is, like, he was, like, one of the first people I thought about because I knew, like, he, you know, would be taking it hard. And I talked to him today. I talked to him today. And, yeah, he he said he, like, cried. And I was – I'm not going to lie, man. I was – there was a couple of times, especially going toward the end of the night, where, like, I was numb. Like, there were a couple of times where I almost did cry. Um, I kind of had a moment right before I went to sleep last night. Uh, yeah. it, it wasn't, it wasn't like, I, I didn't, I didn't cry for Prince, but I was fucking shook when Prince died. And yeah. when Mike died, <clears throat> when MJ died, um, I was, I was upset, but I was more upset for now in hindsight, uh, 11 years later, I realized I was more upset for my childhood more than anything else. Um, but I was definitely surprised by how hard I took Prince. And like it, the Kobe thing, it was just such a shock because, I mean, I, I'm not trying to say it, but I mean, like, he died in a freak accident, you know? Like, if yeah. we had all woke up yesterday and it, like Kobe didn't wake up or some shit like that, that shit would hurt because it's like the fuck, you know? But at the same time, it's kind of like, I don't, I, not that we, either one is less control. I mean, it's, it's apples and oranges, but it's like, I don't know if it'd be easier to take without the tragedy attached to, especially with uh, with Gigi being in there too, and and those other uh, fam, um, those other families and and children and um, the other adults have perished. Like I, I'm not trying to leave them out the narrative, but it's really hard to leave the hard to include them when the per, like there's somebody that's as global as Kobe on the helicopter. So um, I, I know all those families are just going through it right now, man. Um, but it, it, it's just, it, it's like what, what like everybody, like kind of, it's just one of those things where it's a death that everybody in the world will know who the hell Kobe Bryant is. And they'll take a second to be like, damn, Kobe died. Like I, I got off the ice and I know, I knew this dude that was there last night. I, I was ice skating yesterday. It was terrible. And, um, I knew this guy, I got off the ice rink and he had seen, seen me trying to hold on to the boards and everything. He's like, how you doing out there? And I was like, oh, I know, I'm, I'm hanging in there, man. I was like, I was like, did you hear it? He's like, he's like, no, I didn't hear anything. I was like, you hear about Kobe? He's like, Kobe. I was like, yeah, Kobe died. And he said, Kobe who? I was like, Kobe, Kobe Bryant. He said, Kobe Bryant. I was like, yeah, he died in a helicopter crash. And his face just dropped. And I was just, I was like, yeah, man. Like, like I, I did, I didn't start saying anything, so it's confirmed. But once the Woj bomb hit, man, there's nothing you can do. So. Yeah, um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know specifically 
there's no easy way to say, oh, Kobe Bryant has passed away at 41, you know? So not I, not to try to say there have been an easier way to deal with this at all, but. Yeah, I mean, because I don't, I mean, if you're, if you're just a person that was even of the 2000s, so like, you know, Kobe was the face of the league for, mm-hmm. and, you know, we, we had the, you know, Ricky sensation of LeBron James and Carmelo Anthony and, you know, we had these stars, but Kobe, even in the years where the Lakers weren't uh, as competitive as they could have been with other pieces around him, um, I mean, Kobe was the face of the NBA, and he was of the he was of the group that got it to this international sensation that it is. Um, I mean, because you know the, those dream teams and the '90s, like you know the international game, it was nowhere near as it was now as it was was then. So, um, you know, he was he was one of the faces that built this brand um, of the NBA globally. Um, so it's, you know, even if like even if you just know who he, he took Brandy to prom, <laughs> like if, he if, took Brandy to the prom. Yes, yeah. he did, man. So like Kobe Bryant slam dunk giant. <laughs> oh my god! That damn Sprite commercial. Yo, yes. I, I that thing has never left my head. I've always had that damn refrain in my head, man. Jeez. Yeah, <laughs> you hate I, to see uh, it. Because uh, even like being immortalized and the uh, uh, the Dave Chappelle Kobe <laughs> Kobe <laughs> yeah because it's like because people like because the funny thing is like people were really doing that before well, people were doing that before the Dave Chappelle skit but then it's like no one was doing that for Michael Jordan like no one was doing that no one was that magic and then chucking up the shot like. We were taking this ill-advised jumper and then yelling Kobe because we well we yelled it in hopes it would go down. We don't. Right. <laughs> sometimes it did, sometimes it didn't. But I mean, Kobe was just someone who was immortalized in that sort of way, um, and so that you know pop culture aspect you know that the being an American athlete brings you into. Um, Man, I, I admit today I was thinking about some shit that I seen him in, like him jumping over the car in a Nike commercial, and then the Kobe, the Mamba, the Kobe system when Kanye is in the crowd, and then and then like he's talking to all these celebrities, and Kobe says some shit, and then Kanye says, "What the fuck is that supposed to mean, Kobe?" <laughs> yeah, like that's oh, that's the best. I I legit think the best thing about Kobe Bryant. Is not what he did on the basketball court. Uh, I'll, I'll make the argument, you know, he's top, at least top ten player ever. Um, yes, mm-hmm. I would, I would say, you know, I, I did joke and say he's the fourth best Laker, but in actuality, I think Cream's number one, Kobe's two, Magic's three. Um, so he's the second best Laker. And probably the most storied franchise in NBA history. Yeah. Um, but for me, I think I think the best thing he did, and Barack Obama even tweeted about this, was his act after retirement and seeing everything that he did off the court with his daughters and becoming a coach. And the the the, the IG post 
there was two great IG posts he did. It was the one post where uh, it was like, last year, these girls beat us. And this year, we we smoked them by like 100 points. It was like, that was one of the posts he did. That was Pettiness, like, man. Yeah, he, he was always petty. And there was another post he did. It was like um, sixth place. <laughs> it was like it was like no one was enthused like no one was happy and he right. he like put in quotation six place like like what the mm-hmm. fuck is this but i mean that's that that was the thing about kobe like kobe he, he never left the he ne- he was never too far away from the public consciousness and definitely never too far away from our minds as as nba fans yeah and so i think I think um, someone described him as different. I just think, like, his competitiveness was just out of this world. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like, he was actually, he was transforming that into something positive for those girls that he helped coach and for his daughters. Because, I mean, when Michael Jordan would retire, like, like, what did he do? I mean, I guess it sounds bad just even sort of saying that, but that's, like, that's a real thing. Like, you know, when Michael retired, like, Mike didn't do really shit after he he left basketball. He just, he made millions from shoe deals, and, like, that, that kind of was it. But you can actually, right. like, you can actually see Kobe, you know, becoming a, a mentor and becoming a coach, and becoming a dad, like becoming a father, like you can really see the beautiful things he was doing for his children. And to me, that was the most impressive thing because, like, growing up, like I, I hated the Lakers. Like, I, I never wanted. I like, I, I it's, it's funny. Like, I love Shaq. I love that. I love Orlando Shaq. But then when everyone went to the Lakers, like, and they were like, I hated it. Oh yeah. And I, I still remember the Robert Ori game, watching that over my grandmother's house and like them showing the replay of, of Ori shot like a hundred million times after after he made it. And so I was always I was always like wanting the Lakers to not do well. But yep. it was like but Kobe's talent was so undeniable. Like you hated them because they were good. Like you didn't hate them because they were bums and getting overrated. Like you hated them because like they were they were fucking special. And I, I still remember the moment that I could not front on Kobe. It was it was that Phoenix game when he dunked his nuts on <laughs> Steve Nash's forehead. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> like I I swear to God, I wanted to hit on that dunk so bad, but it was legit like at least top ten in-game dunks I had seen yeah. at that point in time. Like that shit was so good. I was like, "Whoa, shit!" <laughs> I'm gonna pull that joint up right now because that that Bro. that whole shot was vicious, man. Uh, that, uh, all right, here we go. Oh, I'm about to watch this shit too. Good huh? lord, bro, hold on. I don't know. The, the real time, the real time version and the slow mo is just so vicious, man. Yeah. So. Oh, okay. I'm watching it now. Kobe picks the ball, pulls the f- oh, wop. Oh, so Lamar Odom. Uh, first of all, I wonder if Lamar was thinking about porn. <laughs> Relax. First of all, nice. Lamar, Lamar Odom grabs the rebound off the floor, has the presence of mind to kick it out to Kobe, 
and then nuts on his face. Like he just he destroyed fucking yeah, that. No joke, man. Steve should not went over there. <laughs> yeah, his, uh, last, his last shot. To, he, he tried to get the charge, man. Fuck him fundamentals bullshit. <laughs> exactly. He got blown the fuck up. Yes, he did. Oh, I Kwame Brown. Hold on, I told Kwame you, Brown. I, That's your boy right there. That's your y'all's number one draft pick. Fuck that dude. Yo. <laughs> oh, don't be like that, man. I mean, he didn't do shit. And speaking of Jordan not doing shit after he retired, like that was some bullshit he drafted Kwame Brown for. But uh, <laughs> but nah, man, like it was, you know, it was that and the actually and also speaking of Duncan on Nash, like Nash definitely owed Kobe one of them MVP trophies, like for real. Yes. Like Mm-hmm. Like Nash, Nash should not have been a back-to-back um, MVP of the league when he won it. Like, Absolutely not. No, no. Kobe was oh one of them fucking trophies. Um, there was a tweet. I think I retweeted it about um, tweets. Not tweets. Um, players of the decade for the NBA. Or no players from the Mount Rushmore of players in the last decade and. For me, definitely Kobe, you know, had to make that. Um, oh, yeah. Because no I, I ended up putting, um, for me, it's, I put, I'm trying to find it, I can't find it, but it's basically uh, LeBron, Kobe, Steph, and I think I put KD. I'm trying to find it. Um, but, no, it's, it's, there's no way you can front on Kobe's career on the court and then not be moved by everything that he was doing off of the court. I'm watching uh, highlights of the 2008 gold medal game when Kobe just took this shit over, man. Oh, nice. I did. Uh, yeah. I did. I did put KD. So, yeah, it was Brian, KD, Steph, and Kobe for the last decade. So. Easily, there, there, there's there's nobody else who should be up there. Yeah. So, you you had talked about the when uh Kobe just kind of became undeniable for you, which is when he put his his uh his uh genitals on Stephen Nash's head. I don't even know if his name's Stephen, <laughs> but uh, that that was kind of the moment for you. But I, I was like you too, man. Like I. When Kobe first got in the league, I mean, he was another high school kid. He came in the year after Garnett did. And so I was, like, really skeptical. And then by the time his second year came, started, he he um he was, like, the seventh man off the Lakers bench. And he's contributing more. He started growing the hair out. And he had that little all-star game duel with Jordan and things like that. So I, I enjoyed him. Um, I enjoyed his play. But definitely by the time... 2000 hit and that first Lakers title happened. And I was like, oh, nope, completely off. I, I want no parts of Kobe and Shaq. I hated every moment of that dynasty. There was no parts of that I enjoyed. I, I didn't care about the Blazers comeback. I didn't care about them beating Indiana. Um, no, the best part about that whole uh, d- dynasty was game one of the 2001 NBA Finals when uh... AI went off and stepped over Tyron Lue, future NBA champion as a head coach, Tyron Lue. 
Uh, and then uh, gave the Lakers their only loss that whole postseason. That was amazing. And for the most part, man, I I just they I was just so anti Laker that I, I didn't enjoy any of the basketball he played in those uh that from 2000 up until like 2004. I just couldn't do it. I was just, I did not care about Kobe or the Lakers or Shaq at all. So I was definitely with you there. Yeah, it was because I'm I kind of have a thing where I don't necessarily root for front runners in that way. And I guess it's growing up uh, for shitty teams, like switching to root for good teams feels kind of wrong, I guess. Mm-hmm. But because like I I like even for wrestling, like I when Stone Cold Steve Austin was like the man in wrestling, like I was very hesitant to make him like my favorite wrestler. Right. So, so like even for someone who was that awesome, I was still kind of hesitant for. But yeah, man, those Lakers teams. Like I said, like I was like I I was a really big I was like a really really big Shaq and Orlando guy. Um, but you know those dominant. Um, playoff runs, I just kind of I kind of got away from them a little bit. Um, and it is kind of wild how AI like they, they really should have swept that entire playoffs and that yeah. probably I mean it's even even with the one loss like this still probably the most impressive postseason in NBA history. history. Yeah. yeah. But um, easily. But yeah um Another moment for me with Kobe, um, and it, it did take me a little bit to really appreciate it, but the um, actually no, the in the moment actually I I was not fronting on this Kobe moment. The um, whenever they're playing the Portland Trailblazers in the playoffs and their battles, and he threw up the lob to Shaq, I could, <laughs> that was that was a moment I could not front on Kobe. Yeah, that that was game that was game six. What wasn't it? Or was that game seven in the two thousand Western Conference Finals when um they came back from all those points in the fourth quarter, and uh, they they beat Portland. Like Portland just couldn't buy a bucket for like most of the fourth quarter. And then yeah. that was like the capper when uh, that that lob came from Kobe to Shaq. That was uh, I'll, I'll give it props now. That was a, a great play in NBA history. But at the yeah. time, like they kept showing it and showing. It. I was like, like ain't no big deal. Like he threw this weak ass hoop to Shaq. Like that. So what? Shaquille O'Neal dunks all the time. That that was that was my um, reaction to it. So, uh, but it, it's definitely a, a classic play. Um, another another game we have to talk about. Is the infamous eighty-one point game, yeah, uh, in two thousand and uh, that was two thousand and six, I believe, when uh, he had the um, eighty-one points. Did it on my birthday, ironically enough. Nice. And and I just remember, like, I, I don't even know. I don't know if the game was on ESPN or not, or who who had the game was it the Raptors versus the Lakers. I doubt it was. It was probably just local games and stuff, you know. Yeah, local it was. Telecast. Yeah, it was um, FSN, Fox yeah. Sport, Sport. There you go. So, yeah. And I just remember turning on Sports Center and like, Kobe Bryant had 81 points. I'm like, what? Like, there's no way in hell, man. But what, what, going back and watching those highlights again, it, it's really insane to watch that as well, man, because that, that is still to this day the highest total points that anyone has ever scored and, um, in the modern era. Like, yeah. there, there's been no one better. Uh, so, and and Phil took him out the entire fourth quarter. 
Right. Like he, he feel feel bum ass shit. Let him go for one hundred, man. Like fuck it. Like like. Oh, wouldn't let him do it, man. Steve Kerr does that shit. That has done that shit to freaking Clay Thompson. Yeah. I think he did it when he scored twenty five in the in that third quarter a few years back. And I think that night that he um only took like what eight dribbles. I feel like he didn't play the fourth quarter of that game either. Yeah, I mean, let people get these numbers off, Chief. Like, like seriously, like James I mean, Harden can sit there and pad his stats, but you can't. You tell him you're not gonna let Kobe try to go for a hundred. I guess it's different because Kobe, because uh, Harden gets a shift from the free throw line. I guess is a difference, but not yeah. really. I don't know. It's speaking of Kobe's eighty-one. One of my favorite moments, actually, from that is years later. Whenever Jalen Rose, he, <laughs> he did the pilot episode for um, that ABC show. He was potentially going to have for himself, and right. he, he had Kobe. Um, it was him going to this restaurant and him like running into Kobe and, you know, he's shooting the shit with Kobe and then the waiter comes and says, um, you know, Mr. Brian, what would you like to drink? And he was like, you know, a martini. And he was like, how many olives? 81. <laughs> and then he, <laughs> he deadpan stares at Jalen Rose for like, it feels like a full minute, but it's probably like 20 seconds. Right. And, then, and he's like, I'm just playing. This is an inside joke between me and him. Like that, that was because it's because it's so funny because not only Kobe's delivery and then his cold stare into Jalen's eyes is hilarious, but I feel like he would have did that in real life. And then Jalen just said, let's just put it in the show because it was funny anyway. Like I could totally doing that really. So totally, it totally felt right out of Curb, man. It felt like Curb your enthusiasm all day. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, another another amazing moment from Kobe's career, the um, nine straight games of forty points. I was so mad at that nigga. No, I was so <laughs> mad at him. He did that what in two thousand and three, I think. Uh, two thousand two. Hold on. It was um. Let's see. You know, it was it was Black History Month. 2003, yeah. So it was February 6th through the 23rd. So let yeah. me tell you a story, young man. Do it. So our tradition back at, back at Towing State was me and me and Ed uh, would kick it all the time, and I was roommates with my, with our boy Wes. But uh, Ed would be me and him would be kicking it, and so our thing was, regardless of what we had going on, is at the time, like before we went to bed and shit, we would meet up. He would come to my dorm. Uh, he we would uh freak a couple blacks and then we watch Sports Center, right? And I remember we we were doing that and like it's like oh man Kobe had forty I'm, and then me and him's like oh fuck Kobe fuck that nigga you know, and then next night Kobe has another forty like oh here we go and then and then as soon as they start saying like oh Kobe's going to go out like he's like the only person I ever do this is Michael Jordan to score forty points so many times in a row blah blah blah. Like, me and Ed were so heated. We were just like, fuck Kobe. Fuck Kobe. We was on that shit for a while. And even after Kobe stopped, fuck Kobe. <laughs> we were not giving that nigga no quarter. No quarter at all, man. So, I mean, it's an amazing feat. But I just remember that fine memory of uh, of us saying, fuck Kobe. God, and, uh, you know, like, he always, like he's the first person to come into the league, Marcus. 
who rivaled Jordan, obviously, in popularity. And people saying he was as good. And I have a real complex when they're, when they're, that starts getting thrown around. I had it with Kobe first. I had it with LeBron. Um, I got over it with LeBron. Kobe never got there officially. But I, I don't like anybody challenging Mike, man. But for a while, I, it, was, it was straight. I don't mess with Kobe Bryant just based off of those moments with the 40-point games. And then all, once the accolades start coming in, the comparisons start really coming in, uh, it's like, oh, Kobe's got three rings. Kobe's done this. Kobe scored this many points. It, it just boiled my blood for so many years before I could let it go. Because just like Black Mamba, I too am petty. You know, the funny thing is, I was looking at my old tweets, and at one point I definitely tweeted, LeBron will not pass Kobe. <laughs> I, think, I think I tweeted that in 2012, and uh, yeah, about <laughs> but it just, I guess it's just about putting people on those pedestals or whatever. I mean, but yeah. Kobe, I mean, but at that time, like, I mean, Kobe deserved it because in 2012, I mean, that was because they they beat the the Celtics in 2012, right? That summer, or was it 2011? Uh, um, that was uh, what when they fought when they played the Celtics. Yeah, because the first year the Celtics won. That was 08 when year. the Celtics won, and then they beat them in 2010. Is, 2010, uh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I tweeted that. I mean, two years removed after Kobe's last chip. Like, LeBron was, like, really shaking in Miami a little bit. Well, that would have been after they um, – I think I tweeted after the Mavs loss when that shit was a really bad loss and they were, like, really shaky. Yeah. But I, I, but I definitely tweeted that before Game Six versus. It was way before Game Six versus uh, the Celtics in uh, Eastern Conference Finals. But um, listen to this wild, this wild shit. Um, my boy Matt, uh, he tweeted me on November fourteenth, uh, twenty fourteen. He said, "In my Kobe dream, B hyphen kept geeking out with basketball questions." Kobe kept asking me for computer help and bought a Win XP license. <laughs> oh, <gosh>. Jesus. <laughs> and yeah. Oh man. B hyphen take shots at Kobe. Uh, that that was September 11, 2009. Um, last night's dream was odd. B hyphen, my wife and I hung out with Kobe Bryant for a few days. Turn out he wasn't an ass, just in pain. So that was more from his dream. I'm trying. Do I not have Kobe hot takes on here? Was I past? I, I feel like oh if if you search my name and Kobe it's a it's it's mostly shit about Kobe's stands because they deserve all the shit but it was yeah most of my Kobe tweets are not <laughs> are not necessarily the most favorable but again like that's and that's that's me living my truth and like I said like I I do think Kobe wouldn't Kobe would rather us talk real about Kobe and then just like, you know, fluff his dick. So <laughs> but, exactly. Yeah. But, um, but no, man, like even, cause even me tweeting, you know, LeBron better than Kobe, you know, whatever, whatever, like, I mean, that's the case, but at the same time, like if, if I, if, even if I can see that point, like, I mean, Kobe is still, better than 99.9% of the people that came in the league at the time that he did and after him. Like, the only the only two players I would concede 
that are better than Kobe are Tim Duncan and LeBron James. Like, but I think it's I, I put Tim still ahead of Kobe because I just think that I mean it sounds really boring, but the big fundamental, but like he did so much for San Antonio. And right. I think I think Kobe was so offensively amazing at at points in his career. Um, that's like super undeniable. I mean, the eighty-one point game, the forty points in nine games in a row, like, like that shit is all undeniable. Um, I just think that if you extrapolate Duncan's career, it's just so impressive numbers-wise that I, I just don't think Kobe passed him. But, um, but I mean, still, like, that's only two players, like that, that. So far, have not passed Kobe since uh, Kobe's rookie year was ninety six, right? Something like that. Yeah, ninety six, ninety seven. Yeah, so I mean, it's t- literally two players that have not that have not that that passed Kobe. The hundreds of other NBA players have not passed Kobe. So have come um, and gone. Yeah, man. Yeah. Here's here's a hot ass take. Well, it's not even a hot ass take. Here's a fun tweet. May 19, 2010, Kobe's hairline is gone like LeBron from the playoffs, laughing my ass off. Jesus. You you wanted to blow up on Twitter for that tweet? Is that uh, it was this is before you could blow up off Twitter tweets? Um I don't know, man. Like it, I'm just not that I'm just not that good at, at Twitter, apparently. Nah, you, if you'd have threw like a couple of like, I mean, well, hold on, what was the year again? Because you actually may have been before the Kobe Sands became Kobe Sands. Yeah, I've been on Twitter since 08, man, and that was a that was a 2010 tweet. So that was leading up to the Ooh, yeah, uh, 2010 finals. But nah, that's that's still before Kobe stands were fucking ridiculous. So you 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 kind of gray, you kind of missed the the bullet. So you're still good. Um. Oh, I was going to say, I didn't finish my point about the 40-point game. The Other than him offensively being impressive, the fucking Jordans he was wearing were fucking legendary. Like, if you Google Kobe Jordan 8s, like, that's literally the, the greatest Jordan 8 has ever been created. Hold on. Yeah. Hold Google. on. Those fucking eights were fucking beautiful. Like, oh my god! Like, uh, Google, uh, bro. You mean you? Mean, you oh wait, those are. Oh, okay. Wait, wait. The Jordan Eight was the first Jordan I ever won in my life. Dog, if if you have uh nine the black 000, one or the white ones or just any of them. The white ones. He the played. White in ones. The, he played in the white ones. But if you well no he played in the black ones too but during the streak like he played two games in the white ones if you have nine thousand five hundred dollars you too can get George <laughs> eights but no because like the the George eighty five thousand on this uh, made sense on uh, mode sense yeah it's, Jesus so no and and those Jordan three Lakers like though like those are absolutely beautiful and this is at a time before. This is like in the the peak era of player edition sneaks, and mm-hmm. so I I legit don't think there's a better player edition of of Jordans other than those eights. Like those eights are really fucking gorgeous. Those are gorgeous, man. Yeah. Uh, speak, speaking of kicks, my my favorite Kobe's. Um, I was infatuated with these sh- shoes the whole season he wore them. I think they were the Zoom fours actually. 
Yeah, it was it was either it was a Zoom four. I don't think it was a five, not the fives, and I don't think it was a Zoom three. It was a Zoom fours. I love the Zoom fours. The fours are beautiful. The fours are beautiful. Yeah, Um, I I was obsessed with those for a minute, and then of course his like first Adidas shoe. Uh, not Whoops. not the ugly ones. He wore a second in like two thousand. Oh, you mean the crazy eights? So, the crazy eights. The crazy eights. Yeah. yeah crazy eight. Yeah. No. No. Those are killer. Those are good. Yeah, I, I always liked those as well. Of course, I was in an era where my my parents were like, "Hell no, we ain't going to spend that kind of money for tennis shoes." And it wasn't because they hated me; they were just trying to teach myself some common sense. And it didn't work out because I spent three hundred dollars on phone posits like seven years later. But whatever. <laughs> no, no, like the. The um the Kobe the Kobe sneaker line has been really I someone tweeted um who had the better line LeBron or Kobe as far as sneakers I Kobe. I tweet I tweet, I don't know it's it's really close because if you I'm gonna send you let me send you this list that this website I'm gonna send it to your your Twitter and so we'll okay. look at it we'll look at it together but um. So, because this list is actually pretty decent, it even goes back to the the Harachis that Kobe used to play in. But he played in two different pair of Harachis, which both Harachis like people consider like the original the Harachi two thousand four, like probably like one of the greatest basketball sneakers like functionality like ever. But um, the Kobe the Kobe ones were, Kobe ones are great. Um, the Kobe fours are. The Kobe fours and the fives are great. The um, the Kobe sixes were, I think the Kobe sixes were the first ones that had like the Grinch um, colorway. Mm-hmm. Um, the Kobe nine was the original Kobe nine had like the 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 high ankle strap that looked super high, but the the low Kobe nines were like probably like one of my favorite shoes I never had a chance to buy. Um, the the Kobe tens were pretty good. Oh, speaking of the Kobe tens, Zach Levine in the dunk contest. I I think it, I'm pretty sure it was his first dunk contest where he wore these black sneakers with the yellow and lime green midsole on it. Right. Those are the Kobe All Stars edition. That was the last time I ever seen. Because you know how growing up, you're a kid, like, you see your favorite athletes wear, like, these shoes or these whatever, and then you immediately want to buy them. Like, Zach Levine in the dunk contest wearing those Kobe's were legit the reason I bought those fucking Kobe's. Like, those Kobe (laughs) all-star tins were, like, the way Zach was gliding in those shits, like, they were literally fucking beautiful. Yeah. It's so funny. It's so funny because... It was it was that All Star Weekend. It was on Valentine's Day. I remember uh, after I done stuff with my Valentine for that day, I like bought this shits off of Nike's website like that night. Like that's how much like they that's how much he made me fall in love with those sneakers. I still have them shits right. now. Yeah. Um, what what else about Kobe, man? Let me tell you, man, one of my favorite Kobe moments ever, and probably the moment that I let go of my, all my Kobe hate, because I was happy he lost in 08, because I still wasn't fully there. 
and oh nine it was kind of like well that should have been the, the Cavs and they just ran into like the magic they couldn't beat the magic and then 2010 when they finally got over that hump and, and beat the and came back and beat the Celtics and Kobe almost shot him out the game uh I the quote that did it for me man is like how how you feeling, Kobe? And he's he's sitting at the podium, man. He's like, I got one more than Shaq. And as soon as he said that, I was like, I love this fucking dude, man. Like finally, it it took him years and years to finally break through my cold cold heart. And on that day, my heart grew two sizes because Kobe Bryant was being petty on the biggest <laughs> stage in the NBA in the National BA. So I I. That that was one of the greatest moments, man. And I loved it so much that I even put in like a mixtape I put out like a few months after that with that quote. And it was literally says one more than Shaq and some shit. Just because I, I love the way he said that shit. Because that was after Shaq was like, Kobe told me how my ass tastes and all that shit, you know? So, yeah. I mean, that was, you, that, was a, like, that was a mood for me, man. Cause you know, like he hated that Shaq got one with Miami. Oh yeah, you know he hated that shit. Um, I mean, the thing. I mean, Kobe. You know the the wild thing about Kobe is like we could accept that Shaq really was the most dominant player in the NBA. But Kobe literally did not give a fuck. Like, like he didn't give a <laughs> shit, and so like. You legit just could have fed, you know, I mean, it did for a lot of time, like, just feed, um, especially, like, in the early Laker days, like, just feed Shaq in the low post, let him bully and bulldoze everyone else, and he'll get his, he'll get his points, he'll get his rebounds, like, he'll get his blocks eventually, but Kobe was not giving a fuck about any of that bullshit. He was like, dog, I'm really trying to be the next Michael Jordan. I can be the next Michael Jordan. Give me the fucking ball. Mm-hmm. And he, didn't, he didn't give a shit. So it's just one of those things that, like, I think I'm not necessarily the most competitive person for virtually anything, but you do have to respect someone who really does put put it on a line for everything that he does. And so he's 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 really about the adage of, if I'm going to compete, like, I'm going to do this for real. Like, I'm not going to half-ass it. Like, I'm going to give it everything. And, like, you know, people people take nights off. Like, people sag. Like, people slip. But Kobe was really the embodiment of, I'm going to go full tilt, like, every fucking night. And so he, mm-hmm. he, he, really, he really did that shit for, like, a lot of his, <laughs> a lot of his playing career. I think Kobe's one of the reasons why that made life even harder for LeBron um, as LeBron was coming up and everybody wanting LeBron to be clutch because for years, the narrative against LeBron was he's not clutch. He's soft. He has killer instinct. I said it on more than more than once. And many um, other media personalities came at LeBron for that. And that was because Kobe took, like he learned from Jordan and Kobe literally wanted to rip your heart out. And he didn't care if you're his own teammate he wanted to rip your heart out if you weren't if you weren't helping him, you were against him. Is how he saw it. And then when people didn't see that from LeBron, they took they held it against him. Like, oh well, the, well LeBron doesn't care like Kobe does. And there's even that one All Star game. I, I can't remember when uh, LeBron came down and he had a chance to tie the game, and Kobe even dared him to shoot it. 
and LeBron shot it, and he, he just blew it, man. And and as, as I got on Twitter, I was like, LeBron's not clutch. Kobe even call him out, blah, blah, blah. And j- just because of how competitive he was, I mean, it, it made him plenty of enemies, but ultimately it, it made him one of the most dangerous players on the floor because, like the Celtics found out in Game 7 in uh, 2010, like he can shoot you guys out of the fucking game, game or they can, he can hand you the game on a silver platter for three quarters, but the moment he decides to change anything, and because he's so competitive, even if it means give up his own shots, like that can lose you the game. Like it can turn on a dime. And Kobe's will to win, like it literally drove the Lakers as I mean, the Lakers went as far as Kobe went. And when that stopped working, they, they tried to make some things change and like the 2012 season after uh, after the lockout and everything, and they tried the Chris Paul trade. It didn't happen. They bring in Nash and Howard and try to put it together, and Kobe gets hurt, and then he just keeps getting hurt and hurt and hurt, and then eventually he, he just kind of realizes it's time to hang it up. But, like, his drive and fierceness and the toughness and just wanting to do everything he could to make make his uh, team take the W, it's something that we hadn't seen since Jordan and it may be something we never see again because all these all these dudes love each other now, man. Like Kobe made some friends towards the end, like especially on the um USA teams and after his retirement and everything like that. But everybody's buddies now. Like there's no real there's no real people out there. It's like I want to I want to stop this dude. It's more like let's get this game over with so we can trade jerseys and then go hang out or some shit. And I don't that's know, fine. Man. I- I think I think that's kind of no, there's no drive, man, like nah, that anymore. I, I don't feel it. No, nah, I think that's kind of overblown, honestly. I I think that I think people confuse that sort of camaraderie with with you know not giving a fuck on the basketball court because I do think that especially like in the 80s and 90s when like these players like really were not fucking with each other off the court, right. like. I remember the story Charles Barkley said that, like, he wasn't friends with none of those motherfuckers until the Dream Team, like, until they were actually, like, hanging out socially. Um, and But the thing is, like, he still, like, played them afterwards, and they still try to, like, rip each other's hearts out. And so I don't, like, I legit don't think, like, because um, LeBron has a relationship with KD that he, hate, that he hates him less. Like, I legit, the funny thing is, I think LeBron and Steph have legit beef. Like, I think they really okay. do not fuck with each other. And, like, you could tell... I don't the, fuck with you musically. <laughs> like, yeah, you can tell in those 2016 finals, like, whenever LeBron was, like, getting those blocks off and doing the stare down with him, like, you can tell, like, they don't, they don't fuck with each other, like, at yeah. all. But at the same time, like, you would never see LeBron James, like, go out of his way to say anything bad about virtually anyone. But I, I don't, I don't think that KD fucks with LeBron. I think KD has so much resentment for the fact that people still hold LeBron in a higher place than him, even when KD probably, at his healthiest, probably is a better basketball player than LeBron. Like people are are not gonna let go of the fact that like he went to the Warriors. He he looked to me. He took the quote unquote coward's way out. Like. I mean, he's. I think he's had that resentment toward LeBron like his entire career, and so I don't think there's any other way that he'll ever be able to really fix that. 
Um, but again, like I said, like he'll he'll probably never admit it. Like he'll probably never admit like how. Of course like, not. So, but as I'm saying, like I I think because people do pile around in the off season, like they'll do the the training camp workouts together. Like I I don't think that really means that they don't fuck with each other. And I think Kobe was a the he was a he was of the last generation to actually be the ones to say, I'm not going to work out with you guys. I'm not, if it's not my team, like I'm not like doing anything along those lines, but LeBron's LeBron's generation being of the AAU, you know, like these, these are, these are young men who were like teenagers. They've known each other since, you know, becoming teenagers so how can you really hold animosity toward people that you've literally seen like 12 years old, 13 years old, 14 years old, 15 years old, and then fast forward like five years later, like how you're really going to switch up, you know? So I, I just think it's, I think for the competitiveness, I don't think that, I don't think it's lacking, but the AAU aspect of it where people know each other from like, from like literally from the cradle to the grave, like it's it's really it's kind of like, you know, how can I say fuck this dude when me and him were goofing off in hotel rooms when we were like fourteen years old? So, right. So yeah, I see your point, but but like I said, Kobe Kobe was of like Kobe was of the last generation to be like fuck all that, <laughs> like, right. Like, Kobe and I mean I think I think if you hold on to those sorts of sensibilities, you can either be looked at as a relic or you can be looked at as someone um you can be looked at as like a throwback. So I think if you're a relic, you're kind of like a fossil. But I think Kobe, I think people had so much respect for Kobe that they really understood that and they they kept it. You know they were they were fine with that, and the funny thing is, like looking at Kobe's career, you wouldn't know that he was fucking hanging out with fucking Matt Barnes' wild ass. Like, <laughs> like, like Matt Barnes has a podcast with um Stephen Jackson, and Matt Barnes is openly talking about he would go out out with Kobe. Like they would hit up fucking clubs. Like you would like looking at Kobe, like you would never think. Kobe was in the mix, but this nigga Kobe was in the mix apparently. So and Steve uh, and Matt Barnes would be like, he burned one down and then go to Kobe's room and see what was going on for the night. <laughs> like, damn. Like you like, and this is why they were still in the league. So Matt Barnes not giving a shit. I mean, he's out the league now, so he can tell the truth now. But yeah, like he would say, that's he would, funny. He would take an L to the face and then hit up Kobe. And like they would just go out, like and that's like this is how like you you don't even think about Kobe going out, like you don't think you don't think, <laughs> you don't imagine Kobe Bryant having good times. <laughs> like for Kobe's me, like fun, fuck is fun. Exactly, like you don't imagine Kobe telling jokes, but um, I mean it's the funny thing. It's it's sort of the same thing with Kawhi, where people don't. <laughs> people are shocked that he's going to strip clubs <laughs> like like he's like clapping did you see the video of him in the strip club yes i saw the bro wow. he, <laughs> he's the unhappiest man on earth he was cur- somebody somebody tweeted 
he was caressing the stripper's cheeks with laser force focus. Laser focus, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. But this like this is the thing, like you know, you don't associate Kawhi with fun. Like you didn't you didn't associate Kobe with fun. But I mean they were out here living, man. So they were out here living. Um but yeah, man, Kobe Kobe's career is really fascinating. Um, the things he was doing off the court post his career were even more fascinating. Um, and I, I mean, obviously, we started off the podcast with laughing and laughter, and I think it's important to keep that energy with him because, like I said, like everything you know, everything that happened, you know, Sunday is a tragedy, and you know, we don't know anything how it happened, or whatever. But that's not important. Like it's important to keep the memory alive, uh, keep the greatness alive, and keep his legacy alive. And like I said, man, just just you know, we can. It's it's really hard to process. You know, everyone processes things differently. But I'm you know I'm I'm trying to for myself at least. Um, I'm trying to you know live in the positive and not focus on the negative. Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah, we're going to kind of wind down here. I do want to uh, recommend something for uh, everybody to read, though. There's a great Grantland article came out uh, April 12, 2013. Uh, it's it's about Kobe, but it's not about what you may think. It's actually called The Secret History of Kobe Bryant's Rap Career. And <laughs> I read this joint when it came out, Marcus. And I was, just like you said, who knew Kobe didn't have fun or had fun? This thing is a in a deep dive into Kobe the rapper man, and it, I haven't read it since in years, but I'm I'm probably going to reread it um here in the next couple of days, and it, it's just a fun read to to kind of see another side of Kobe that we um normally don't see. So that um secret history of Kobe Bryant's rap career, um, make sure you check that out if you're interested. So I think honestly with uh with uh, Kobe's passing and just just Kobe in general, like over the past few years, I, I told you that I was a latecomer to being a fan of Kobe's. I had always wanted to get a Sunday white Kobe jersey with the 24 on it. I never pulled the trigger because basketball jerseys are so fucking hard to wear, um, especially when you're an adult. Like when you're a kid, it's like, oh, cool, I got a basketball jersey. When you're an adult, it's like, like man, what am I going to do with this basketball jersey? Nah, this bro. Jersey underneath it, you know? Nah, bro. Fashion, fashion is fashion. Like especially when the summertime hit. Oh, speaking of that, I actually I was, uh, man, I'm really regret that I never did this. But the last like two years, I actually was looking for just a cheap Kobe jersey on eBay, and I never, I never found one that was decent enough. Yeah. But nah, man. I mean, as soon as the summer hit. Especially if you like chilling at the cookout, you got the you got the Kobe. I'll do it at the cookout, but I, I I can't. I don't go guns out all the time. Oh is nah. the problem. I got me a few jer- jerseys. Oh man! Still. In, in the summer, you gotta you gotta bring them choppers out, dog. Like That's I was gonna say, in, in the summer, uh, I know for here in Texas, bitch. Oh, oh you gotta do it. You dog. gotta do it. Like this is tank top city over here, man. Like, <laughs> nah, man. Like you getting you getting sun on these shoulders, but but nah, man. If you if you got the you got the throwback, not even it's a real throwback. If you got the the um, especially if you hitting up like uh like mom and pop stores, 
and I still got a Seniors Barkley jersey. I still have it with me. I I haven't forgotten. But oh, if no you, problem, bro. If you hitting up um, like mom and pops, or if you know thrift stores, if you you know copping like the the um, you can cop like jerseys for like fifteen bucks, twenty bucks, twenty five oh, bucks damn. off eBay. But um, I mean, it, I guess it's going to be some wear and tear on them. But yeah, you, I got a blue Iverson jersey a few years back. Yeah. Uh, that I always want a blue joint, and it is actually still in pretty good condition. And I break that out every now and again. I think I wore it this summer for Fourth of July because I think I did my Joel Santana dip set with the um, American Bandana and shit. I remember posting that, so I'll break them out every now and then. I'm going to do it more, more often though, um, yeah. and not be so afraid. Because if you, so if you, if you just need the fashion tip, like just get the get the jersey, and then underneath get the um, we don't call them uh, beaters anymore. We're, we're more progressive, so you get the A tank top. You, yep. the <laughs> you A wear, tank, right? Yeah, and you wear underneath in the summers and in spring. But then if it hits, I would say the season. I would say we we not wearing short sleeve under the jerseys anymore. We kind of off that. But if you do the long sleeve. In the winter, that could actually be a look. So, if it's cold, you know what I'm saying. You you put the long sleeve underneath, you know that could balance you out. But then wait till to the wait till it hits like 80 and up. Then you come out with the tank tops. Then you know we got we got the we got the Smith and Wessons on deck. So <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, man. Like, like I said, like we, I mean, because we shit, we're. Well, I know you guys, like you guys in the fucking trenches right now. So yeah. it, it it was fucking um it was like seventy-four here today. Uh, so, you go to hell, Marcus. You go to hell. I am as soon as as soon as spring hits, it's gonna be fucking nineties here, yo. So like the hell is upon us. <laughs> I mean twenty well, twenty twenty is upon us. My so, God. so I hate you so much right now. Uh, do the full police, but yeah, um, I I came, I joined Team Kobe pretty late, and I enjoyed the rest of his career, um, up until his retirement. I became real conflicted, uh, probably shortly after, uh, the sixty point game that ESPN just aired. Thinking about some of the things he had done in the past, I, I wrote about it. It's on Hyphen Universe. Um, I'm not disregarding well. that at all. Huh? Yeah, I wrote about it as well for my Emmy piece. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Oscars piece that I wrote about a year ago. So, yeah, we, and again, like, uh, like Hyphen said, like, that's something that we ignore. Um, you know, we don't give passes around these parts. Yeah. So, even in death, unfortunately. So yeah, so this for this conversation, you know, if if you do feel a way about Kobe and you know the the remembrance of him in your eyes is not a positive one, um, you know that's definitely your perspective, and I would not talk you off that at all. Um, but me and Kellen specifically, you know, we we do recognize you know the incident that happened in Colorado and. Mm-hmm. A lot of women still recognize that as being, you know, a very now I'm off of Kobe Bryant forever type situation. And that 
you know, that should not be ignored. If you have those feelings, like I said, like, I'm not going to talk you away from that. Um, but for me and Kellen, you know, we we rec- we kind of recognize the whole aspect of his career. So, um, you know, we, you know, even if, you know, we move beyond that, um, which is your right to, to do, but if you, if you don't want to, that's fine. But if you do, like I said, look at the man that he's been since then. Um, there's even an incident where he even like dropped the F word at a referee one game, but eventually he like did work with glad and he learned from this mistake and he never did it again. So, you know, he was a person that could mature and could change. And, and I do think you see that specifically with him being a father and everything he was doing um, with his daughters. That's where I was going. Yep. And so, like I said, for me, like the basketball stuff is, you know, highly impressive, but for me, like his career off the court uh, post-retirement I think that is why I miss him so much because yeah, I do think that he he was bringing a lot to the table beyond just basketball, and so so yeah. So this is this podcast is just a remembrance of that. Yeah, you you literally took the words right out of my mouth because, um, and after he retired, I, I was conflicted, but then just seeing everything that he's done and finding ways to expand his voice and being an ambassador for basketball and seeing him with the girls and seeing him reconnect with Vanessa after they were so close to divorce that Drake spit about it in 20 in 2011 on, on what album, what, what mixtape was that Marcus where Drake dropped those infamous bars? Do you remember? In what 2011? That album was called? Yeah, it was a mixtape. It, it came out in 2011. Do you, do you remember? Or maybe it's 2012. Do, do you remember the mixtape though, that, that Drake dropped those bars, you know, Kobe, my nigga, I hated had to be him. Oh, uh, <laughs> stay you, you, mean one the, you mean one of the greatest mixtapes of the decade? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It all comes back. Boy. Ooh. Rich Forever. That's right. You know you weren't going to get away without getting a Rich Forever mention on this podcast. You're gonna he's gonna have to pay you royalties. Rick Ross owes you money for saying that's the one of the best projects of the 2010s. He owes you money for that. He owes you bread for that, by the way. I'll let him know. I'll call him. I'll um I'll hit him up on DM uh, right after we get done this. Um, but uh joke jokes aside again, man, to see him reconnect and be a family man, like I I gotta say, man, like what he did with the his kids, at least what we saw publicly and what he saw we saw from him and Vanessa in recent years and just his whole aura and his whole energy. He's he was still Kobe that we saw in the court. He was still had that Mamba mentality. But it, this was Kobe at 40, essentially, you know? Like this is this is the more mature Kobe. This is Kobe off the court. This is Kobe the ambassador, Kobe Kobe Bryant, the human being who isn't expected to do superhuman feats every time he steps on the court. And I was, every time, I was really becoming a genuine admirer of that Kobe Bryant. Yeah. I, I never admired him like that on the court. I, I loved his game. I loved the things he's able to do. I was mad at him. I cursed at him. I called him every name in the book when he was killing somebody. somebody. I didn't want to lose the game, but 
I was very impressed with where it seemed his life was heading. And I'm that's the part that shakes me too, because without the narrative that he's he put himself onto, like even before he retired, about like especially with becoming more open to the media and and really put himself out there and starting to make films and doing documentaries. And like, I have the uh, Kobe Bryant's Muse movie on right now. I haven't watched it like since I had Comcast. And like, that was like our last place before we bought the house. So it's been a minute since I watched it. I got it on right now. But seeing him really, because he always talked about the media and everything else, but seeing him really creatively branch out and then seeing him just be what seems to seem to be a regular ass dad who cared about his kids and someone who was trying to be a a better husband every day than he had been in the past. It was very admirable for me. So to lose that guy, that shit sucks a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what really eats at me. Like it sucks watching him now, you know, like the clips and stuff. It's like fun to go back and look and, and but like I, the sixty point game just went off on ESPN and and like seeing that was fun. It was pretty recent and stuff. Seeing him get drafted and put on the Charlotte cap and all that that's nice. But the shit that really wrenches and kills me is every time he's got one of those girls in his arms or he's has taking pictures of Vanessa, whether it was uh, a two years ago, it was three months from ago, when they first met. The impact that that family has to deal with and all the families that are dealing with the aftermath of that tragedy is just something I couldn't even fathom right now. And my heart goes out to him. And I just, I, I just wish, um, you know, I, I just hope that they find some kind of peace and it, it's not an easy journey. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and it'd be over. Like that shit never goes away. I lost both my moms five years ago. You know that. Uh, you you've lost family members. That shit never goes away, man. And to just think about what they have to go through and to have it go like this, like literally, I saw something somebody posted. Um, they probably like Kobe and GJ probably left the house and said, "Oh, we'll see you later." And like just casual conversation you say every day, and then there was no later. And I always end these podcasts the same way that you need to give the people you love their flowers while they're still here. Cause you never know. And as much as I hate to freaking say it as you hate to see it, like Kobe Bryant is, is the perfect example of you never know when it's your time to go. So <clears throat> it just sucks. And Kobe's going to be missed, man. Uh, for those of you who want to celebrate him in some kind of way, go, go to YouTube, watch the videos, uh, and there's tons of NBA coverage on them right now. Like this isn't going to go away anytime. Um, there's a lot. The internet is covered with articles about them. YouTube. I've already said that already, but there's plenty of ways for you to appreciate his basketball work. And then there's ways to appreciate him as a person. But like Marcus said, don't diminish the mistakes he made just because of his death. Um, you, you have to come to your own conclusions about that. Um, just like I kind of had to a few years ago. Um, but it, it's just a tragedy all around. And I, I, I couldn't, I didn't want to jump on here and like I said, get, get to it for the plays. 
I, I really wanted to have an honest conversation about um, Kobe Bryant and what we remembered about him. So Marcus reached out. He's like, yo, let, let's do the pod. I was like, what about Monday? He's like, I got you. So here we are. And um, I'm going to kick it back over to Marcus so I can drink some water because uh, uh, I sound kind of rough. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that, that's that's where I was build, building up to, kind of. Not kind of. That's where I was going. And if you believe that LeBron James is still better than Kobe, there <laughs> are safe spaces to tell the truth. <laughs> So yeah, man. we uh, like I said, we we honor the memory by you know being loving but telling the truth, and so so yeah, so yeah. The, I just know I, that when I die, y'all better throw me a. If y'all come and throw me a regular ass funeral, I'm be pissed. I want a fucking party. I want barbecue. I want y'all to play easy like Sunday morning, and because that's my favorite fucking song. And I want y'all to party. Don't don't come to my funeral all sad. Like, oh, I miss this dude. He was the greatest. Like, no, get your ass drunk and then do it. <laughs> you know, you know, we playing rich forever fifty times back to back. So you can be rich forever, forever, forever. Oh 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 oh. Exactly. <laughs> oh man, Edge is back in the. Uh, WWE. That's I, I know, man. I haven't seen. I didn't see what he said tonight. I watched the Rumble. I know. But uh, but anyway, good so, for you. Good for you. So hyphen. So we're not obviously we're not recommending Edge to wrestle anymore. But what are your recommendations? Uh. Do you have any recommendations? Oh, oh, you're doing a thing that I should be doing. Yes. Um, um you know, honestly, I I would um I would tell you to watch the Kobe Bryant documentary Muse, man, because like I said, it's it's Kobe started filming this like shortly before his Achilles injury and it kind of follows that time period up until his return to the Lakers in uh 2013 I think he came back December 2013 and then he promptly uh, broke his kneecap and stuff and so it's like that that whole journey and trying to see him come back and he talks a lot about his uh, youth and meeting Vanessa and stuff and it's really good I was really impressed with it when I watched it a few years ago so if you can uh if you can get a hold of that you, you can kind of get a peek inside the mind of Kobe. I know that I've been reading some stuff about him today. I remember Ramona Shelburne saying that there was a camera crew following like his whole last season. So who knows where that footage is? I'm not sure if it's released, but um, I don't, I don't think it was, but obviously like in the coming months, there's going to be efforts put forth to a more, to uh, immortalize him on, in other ways and just, uh, NBA footage and stuff like that and to kind of be able to tell his own his own story throughout that season. So, I mean, just if if you want to know more, if you're young and you don't know Kobe, if you're old and you're you just don't know Kobe other than the basketball player, take some time to just just to look into everything that he's uh, accomplished and did and 
I, I promise you, I feel like there's a Kobe Bryant story out there for everybody in some way, shape, or form. Uh, he was he was all over the place, man, and he was a killer. So that's my recommendation. I'm going to just go Kobe Bryant's Muse as the main one, though. Uh, my recommendation, um, it's a documentary that I just caught. And I think I only caught maybe about half of it, but um, there's this documentary on Martin Luther King Jr. that mm, yeah. it, init- it was initially only created. It was it was um, put together in the late in like the mid to late seventies. It did not get an actual like larger release. Um, it was recently uh, maybe over about maybe uh, within the last five or so years, it was made available to the public again. It's called King, a filmed record, Montgomery to Memphis. Um, It was 1970. So King, a filmed record, Montgomery to Memphis. Um, It's three hours long, but it's all archival footage from um, his, from the civil rights era uh, beginning at the Montgomery boy uh, Montgomery bus boycott that he was a part of, all the way up until his um, assassination in Memphis, Tennessee, and so it's wow. like a it's a bunch of uh, speeches that you've never even heard of, um, never even saw live before. But if you never heard, other than like just beyond the "I have a dream" speech. From physically from his voice, this entire doc, this entire documentary, um, it does have like lots of speeches from him. Uh, he's reading like one of the letters from a letter to, uh, from a Birmingham jail. Um, and the funny thing is, like, even watching this documentary, they do show like the entire "I Have a Dream" speech. Mm-hmm. And for me personally, like. Whenever it would be in classrooms or like just randomly chopped up into places, you don't really you understand the weightiness on an abstract level, but you don't really feel how important that speech is without the context of it. And if you happen to watch this documentary, you'll feel the entire con the, the entire context of what the civil rights era meant to him and to the people around him into the death that was happening around him and for him to give that speech like you can legitimately feel why it was you know one of the most important speeches in American history um, it's it's on you can rent it at voodoo or Amazon or YouTube uh, for like three bucks I think it's very That's not bad at all yeah um, it, it's three hours long um, and it will you know it's you know you're seeing one of the probably the most important American born uh in the last shit ever. <laughs> like right. I mean one of the things he, he legitimately probably is like the greatest American that we've ever produced. Um it's you know it is sad to see specifically him in the struggle in the midst of the struggle and everyone else in the middle of the struggle around him to you know his killing. But I do think it's appropriate, especially coming off the MLK birthday and his holiday um, getting a real context of who the man actually was beyond what 
people try to make him to be. So Martin Luther, Dr. Martin Luther King was not this passive person that people assumed that he was, like fighting for injustice in a time when people, presidents were getting murdered. Like that is the bravest thing you can do. And so, you know, people can criticize specifically he wasn't as um, radical as the Black Panther Party that was coming to form at the time of his death. Um, he wasn't as radical as like a Stokely Carmichael or anyone like him. But at the same time, like he was telling truth to power and he literally put his life on the line every single time he did. So, um, so like I said, like King of Film Record, Montgomery to Memphis, um, when you have the time, please check that out. Um, it's it's very much worth the watch. Awesome. Well, you sold me. I mean, you had already uh, piqued my interest, but that that just put the nail sent the nail home. So I'm going to, have to check that out, man. Definitely. Re- really cool, really cool thing. So, um, I mean, here we are, man. Kobe Bryant. Dead at 41, uh, Gianna Bryant dead at 13, and uh, several others also perished in an awful helicopter crash on Sunday, January uh, 26. And Marcus, I appreciate you uh, being so prompt and being my um, being my big dog, road dog, to come through Oof. and uh, talk about talk about Kobe Bryant, slam dunk giant, mess with the code. We don't want to try it. And uh, um, <laughs> drink Sprite, all right? Um, yeah, man. So appreciate y'all taking the time to listen. It's always a pleasure. Um, and uh, we're, we're going to catch you, catch you on the next one. So I say all that to say this. Rest in peace, everyone that was lost on Sunday. Uh, hug, hug your family and friends. Tell them how much they mean to you. Give people their roses, man. Because you never know when it's your time to go. And uh, thanks, y'all. Peace. Podcast Network Production. They're the bestest. I'm getting paid at Exposure.